Pastor Xavier Rees illustrates the simple truth we draw from the example of Judas Iscariot. He listened to the same sermons they all listened to, the same admonishments, the same parables, the lessons on pride versus humility. All of these he heard, he partook as all the other 11. All of these had to have convicted his heart, but not enough for him to repent from his sin. Be also careful of that type of heart condition. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. The Twelve Apostles were chosen to go out and spread the gospel, but having sat under the teachings of Jesus, what would make one of them turn wayward instead? Well, coming up in today's Simple Truths character study of Judas Iscariot, Pastor Xavier explains how indifference towards the things of God is a danger that threatens the spiritual walk for us all. Benedict Arnold was a great military soldier, but this is not what he's remembered for. He is remembered for his treacherous act of betraying West Point to the British. So Judas Iscariot, he is known to all men for his treacherous betrayal of the Lord Jesus Christ. And without doubt, he was a man like Benedict Arnold with much promise. I fear that often men that have great potential fail in the greatest areas. And those that have small potential, knowing so, are used greatly by God. Remember the context of Matthew is that he's sending out the twelve to the lost sheep of the house of Israel to preach, to heal, to cast out demons. Jesus depended on these twelve men to reach the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ And they did not disappoint him. Jesus had no other group to depend on. He had no group B. He had prayed. He had chosen. These men would do it. In fact, we are the recipients of the obedience of these men. And we, the church, are the living evidence that they did not fail. Judas stands out and apart from the other 11. He is the epitome of evil. Second to Satan as they both betrayed the trust of their God and creator. In fact, Judas Iscariot is called the son of perdition as we'll see. And the only other man called the son of perdition is the Antichrist, which is the personification of Satan. Interesting parallel. Judah's life will unfold for us as we look at him from three vantage points. We want to begin by looking at the man Judas Iscariot, then the apostle Judas Iscariot, and then we want to finish by the betrayer, Judas Iscariot. Here in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 10, we have the list of the twelve, the last one, Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him, him being Jesus Christ. His proper name, Judas, was a common name. The name Judas in the Greek form is the Greek form of the Hebrew Judah, which was one of the sons of Jacob back in Genesis 29-35. One of the other apostles was also named Judas, as we've studied before. John distinguishes him from Judas Iscariot in John 14, 22, so there is no confusion between them. So the name was common. 
from the Hebrew over to the Greek. The name is derived from the verb to praise. By implication, one who is the subject of praise. But what a paradox. By a strange paradox, Judas is anything but one to be praised. By his treacherous deed, by betraying Christ, his name has become synonymous with shame and the most heinous sin of treacherous betrayal. Even the pagans know who Judas is. I remember growing up in Mexico City. I was small, four, five, six years old. And, and when you want to insult somebody, you, you call them a Judas and you, you spit. <laughs> now by this sinful association, no one names their son Judas. Not even the pagans. By comparison to other names, Judas, his name appears more than any other person named Judas, 22 times in the New Testament. Now, secondly, his person is identified with a geographical location. Notice the word Iscariot. It is equivalent to Ishkioth, which means man of Kerioth, the town identified south of Judah, about 23 miles south of Jerusalem, seven miles from Hebron, is Kerioth. You find that in Joshua 1525. This is the area from which Judas was from. Now, Judas was the only disciple and apostle that was not from Galilee. All the rest were Galileans. They were from the north. He was from the south. Judas was of Judea, the place that considered themselves superior to the northern Jews. You remember when Peter followed our Lord into the camp? And the woman, the girl said, your, your speech betrays you. <laughs> See, the, the, the northern Jews, they were thought of like the hicks. Thirdly, notice that his paternal line is by his father as we trace it through the New Testament. His father is called the son of Simon in John 671 and 1326. His father probably was a very devout Jew. His father, without any doubt, did all that he could for his son and, in fact, had great expectations of his son and for his son, which father does not. His father could have never imagined of the horrible deed that his son would commit against the Son of God, the very Messiah they were waiting for. His father would have to bear the reproach along with the rest of the family for what Judas had done. For all their lives. His father who was used. To hearing people address Judas. As the son of Simon. Would live long enough. To hear. His son being called. The son of perdition. By the very words of our Lord. What a heartbreak. There can be no greater heartbreak for a father. Than to know that his son or his daughter is lost. They're not walking with God. Though they may be good, moral, nice kids, but they're lost. It's a heartbreak to every parent. Jesus said in John 17, 12, While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those who you gave me I have kept, and none of them is lost except the son of perdition, that the scriptures might be fulfilled. 
That was in the high priestly prayer. As I said, the Antichrist is the only other one called the son of perdition, 2 Thessalonians 2.3. What a parallel. What a comparison. A pious church member who thought himself to be a great Christian visited the junior department in the Sunday school one day. The superintendent asked him to say something to the young boys and girls. He stood pompously before them and asked, Why do you think they call me a Christian? There was an embarrassing silence. Then a small voice from the back of the room said, Because they don't know you. (laughs) How interesting that God has created every person in his own image, after his own likeness, with the potential of being and bringing praise to God. But each person, by his or her own choice, will either seek greatness for themselves or greatness for God. The one will lead to destruction, the other to blessedness. It is a choice. This is a constant warning through the scriptures that promotion neither comes from the east or the west but from the Lord. Psalm 75, 6 and 7. We know that as Christians, but we we get caught up in whatever it is and and we begin to strive and to connive and to drop names and do this and do that. And the Holy Spirit is saying, stop it, stop it. It happens. Each person like Judas has been raised in a particular moral environment, social environment, that has dictated to them from childhood their particular views about people and things and worldview. We bring that with us to Christ. That is why Paul tells the Corinthians that they're not to compare themselves by themselves or among themselves, lest they be unwise in 2 Corinthians 10, 12. Our comparison is to Christ once we come to Christ. When we get that perspective, then we walk humble and we walk silent because we can never measure up. But knowing the standard, we can look for it in others. But we do not compare ourselves to others. That is a great mistake. How unjust it seems at times that good moral and caring parents, even as Simon, the father of Judas, have to live with the shame and tragic consequences of their children's suffering deeply through life. You see, you never cease to be a parent. There comes a time when you cease to be a son and a daughter. When they die or you die. But you never cease to be a parent. Regardless of how old your children are, they're always your children. A parent for the rest of your life. You bear the weight of your children. But we do it with the grace of God, with the wisdom of God, with the power of God. Strong on the outside, but broken on the inside, dependent upon God. Bent knees, wet eyes, a broken heart, constantly. Paul tells the Corinthians, Now for the third time I am ready to come to you, and I will not be burdensome to you. For I do not seek yours but you. For the children not not to lay up for the parents, but the parents for the children. 
And I will be very gladly spend and be spent for your souls, though the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved. Bingo. I've told you often that the Bible says that one day they will rise up and call you blessed. But between now and then, they're going to call you many other things. So we wait in faith and obedience. You see, the principle of sowing and reaping is guaranteed as a certain fact that will happen to believer and non-believer. The scriptures are clear. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever man sows, that shall he also reap. For he who sows to the flesh will reap to the flesh corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Galatians 6, 7, and 8. Listen, once you sow, you have no more freedom on what you're going to reap. And if you go out there sowing your wild oats, you're going to get big trees. Don't expect to bring roses home. And you usually get a bumper crop. This warning is to the believer, not to the non-believer. The non-believer lives there. A non-believer is lost, dead. He cannot obey. You and I can. But you can equally sin. So we have to be careful. This was the man, Judas Iscariot. Notice, secondly, we have the apostle, Judas Iscariot. First of all, Judas is listed as one of the twelve apostles of Jesus. We see this here in Matthew. He is one of the four in the last group of four. In every list, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, he is in the last group of four. There's three groups of fours. We've seen this throughout studying them. Each group being less intimate in fellowship. The first four, the most intimate. The last four, the least intimate in fellowship with Jesus. Each group by design and purpose serves God in design for the gospel. It is not a respecter of persons. It is not showing favor to one. It is wisdom on God's part. The problem with us is often our part, it is favoritism. And we're not perfect, so we have to always check ourselves. Each time Judas appears, he is the last in the list. Each time Judas is named, he is qualified by the one who betrayed Jesus. He was chosen after an entire night in prayer. Luke six twelve is the only one who tells us that. I want you to consider that. Jesus said, did I not choose you, 12, and one of you is a devil in John 6, 70? Jesus was not taken by surprise. God in heaven didn't say, did you see that? I didn't know he was going to do that. Sometimes I think the Christians in the church think that God's up there biting his nails. Judas had to have had, by the very nature of Jesus choosing him, promise to be a John or a Peter. Do you understand what I'm saying? Jesus doesn't choose losers. All right? Keep that in mind. Judas, like all the other 11, I am certain, suffered the reproach of being identified with Jesus for those three years. Judas, like the other 11, was waiting for the Messiah and was convinced that he had arrived as the Messiah in the person of Jesus. He was a partaker of all that the other 11 apostles experienced. He preached the gospel. He saw people come to Christ. He prayed for people. They were healed. He cast out demons. People were delivered. 
He listened to the same sermons they all listened to. He heard the same lessons, the same admonishments, the same parables about the unjust steward who did not consider his brother. The invitation to the wedding, the need of the particular garment, the lessons of money, greed, that one cannot serve God in mammon. The rich young ruler who walked away very sorrowful because he had many riches. The hypocrisy of the Pharisees and the scribes. The lessons on pride versus humility. All of these he heard. He partook as all the other eleven. All of these had to have convicted his heart. But not enough for him to repent from his sin. There are people who come to this church... And God nails you. God deals with you. And you feel bad. But before you even get to your car, you forget all about it. Be also careful of that type of heart condition. Do not just be indifferent to it. Do not shun it away. It's a very dangerous condition that you have. It worsens with time. Notice he did not leave Jesus when all the others left. And remember in John chapter 6, around verse 66 down through 71, 72, when Jesus gave some hard words about eating his body and drinking his blood, and they all said, hey, this is too much, right? And many left him. John tells us in verse 66, from that time many of the disciples went back and walked with him no more. And then Jesus said to the twelve, do you also want to go away? But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe and know that you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered them, Did I not choose you, the twelve, and one of you is a devil? He spoke of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. Judas was hanging on. He didn't walk away. Judas was attracted to Jesus for what he could get from Jesus. His commitment was not out of a pure motive. Secondly, Judas was chosen by Jesus knowing he would betray him. Again, he knew. Jesus knew the prophecies that had to be fulfilled regarding Judas in the Old Testament. Remember David in Psalm 41.9? It says, even my own familiar friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted up his heel against me. Prophetic of Judas Iscariot. The emphasis is being on the closeness and the intimacy of betrayal to appear as a friend while being a traitor. In Psalm 55, verse 12 through 14, David again says, "'Was not an enemy who reproached me, then I could have bore it. Nor is it one who hates me, who has exalted himself against me, then I could have hide from him. But it was you, a man, my equal, my companion, my acquaintance. But we took sweet counsel together and walked in the house of God in, in the throne. The words of his mouth were smoother than butter, but war was in his heart. His words were softer than oil, yet they were drawn swords. Speaking about Ahithophel, his childhood friend, counselor, who betrayed him and went with Absalom. Prophetic of Judas Iscariot. By the way, he hung himself also. How interesting, prophetically. The prophet Zechariah eleven twelve says, Then I said to them, 
If it is agreeable to you, give me my wages, and if not, refrain. So they weighed out my wages, 30 pieces of silver. These were all prophetic of Judas in the Old Testament. Jesus knew this. Jesus made many statements in view of these prophecies in his ministry. John, by way of commentary, tells us that it would be Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon who would betray Jesus, being one of the twelve in John 6, 71. Jesus in the upper room, remember, there as he washed their feet in John 13, 21, Jesus said, more surely I say to you, one of you shall betray me. Again, in the high priestly prayer in John 17, 12, we already read it. I have kept them all, and I've lost none except the son of perdition, that the scriptures might be fulfilled. Jesus was not caught by surprise. Jesus knew it all along. But thirdly, Judas was not predestined to be lost, nor was his free will ever violated, because here's where people go wrong. Listen and listen well. The scriptures needed to be fulfilled, and they would be. For God cannot lie, and he knows the end from the beginning. Numbers 23, 19, and Isaiah 46, 10 tells us that. After chapter 40 of Isaiah, over and over again, he says, Tell me of things before they happen, so when they happen, I can declare you God. I know the end from the beginning. I say and show things before they come, so when they come to pass, they know that I am God. I'm the only one. There never has been anybody else. I love Isaiah after 40. God is ultimate. The outstanding characteristic of God in the scriptures is that he tells us things before they happen, so when they happen, we know he is God. There is no other religious movement, church, or people who ever dare to step out on prophecy. Only Christianity does. Because we have the true God. He dares to say things before they happen, so when they happen, we know that there's nobody else but him. We are unique. We are sons and daughters of the living God. The scriptures contain law, history, poetry, prophecy. Prophecy comprises 20% of the entire scriptures. And one-third of that one-fifth contains the second coming. No one else dares to step out in that. Only God would dare to do that. By the way, he's never missed one. The man Judas Iscariot also had a free will. And God never violated it. So you have God's side, the divine side, then you have the human side. If God violated Judas' free will, then God would be unfair and unjust to hold Judas responsible for something that he was forced to do, let alone punish him. Who of us as parents would force our child to do something or coerce them and then hold them responsible and punish them. We would say, that's an evil parent. Let's give God a break, guys. <laughs> Every person has a free will of choice to obey and be for God or disobey and be against God. What is certain is that God never predestined Judas Iscariot to betray Jesus. Listen to me again. What is for sure and certain is that God never predestined Judas Iscariot to betray Jesus Christ. You understand what I'm saying? Or he would be unfair. Gehenna was made for no one but Satan and his angels, Matthew 25, 41. It wasn't even made for Judas Iscariot. 
the man Judas will stand before God for his choice and his deed. Pastor Xavier Reese, using the example of Judas Iscariot to explain the free choice God gives us all, whether to choose the narrow road that leads to life or the broad road that leads to death. Now, there's much more of this message to come next time, but if your schedule won't permit you to tune in, as always, you can pick up a copy. And the title you want to ask for is simply Judas Iscariot. It's available on CD for just $4. And this might be a study you'd like to pass on to someone in your church or Bible study when you're through. Now, once again, the title to ask for is Judas Iscariot, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing... Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 